Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora, everyone. Um, it's a Friday afternoon. We're, we usually record this on a Monday, so we're usually very bright and put together. Usually we've got the sound of clinking coffee cups, but today a different beverage is in hand. It is. It's a Pals. They're not actually sponsoring this episode, but um, they are sponsoring my throat. Yeah. <laughs> As I drink. They are sponsoring your next hour of getting through this. Oh, no. Nah, it's going to be a good app, but... Yeah, to be fair, we love doing this for you all. It's just, you know, late on a Friday. It's been a huge week. Oh, big week. We're both worn out women. Worn out women. We're going to get into our week in a second. I do. I feel like the week might take up a bit of chart. Yeah, I reckon. Podcast. But first of all, Liv, co-papa of the day, what are we talking about? We are leading off, as we sometimes like to do, from last week's episode where we talked about Dan Schneider and Jeanette McCurdy's book. And we're now talking about child stars. So that whole industry, it's pretty fucked up. We're pretty much just going to give a brief overview of some of the most famous child stars, what the industry does to people, and why the fuck are children working? Like, in this sort of way. Because they're sort of kids. Because they're sort of kids. And we did touch on that last week, so I'm excited that we're here to sort of unpack it a bit further. Um, Liv, one thing that's just come to me from a a listener of Culture Vulture, Um, they said they were listening to our last week's episode, and we kept saying that at at the Voyages, we would go and have bathroom chickens with each other, (laughs) and they thought we were saying chicken. Like we're bathroom chickens, we've just got a bucket of KFC in the corner, and we're just going in and having. Oh, honestly, we were waiting for food that long. I would not have minded a good bathroom, bathroom chicken. chicken. <laughs> I just thought that was so so funny. Maybe for next year. There's so much other shit that we say on here that I need to remember um, to write down because people, the amount of people. First of all, that laughed at our biopic, biopic oh, chat because they were going, biopic, <laughs> and the custody papers. Like, all of these things are just iconic. I know, and it's too easy to forget because, as we always say, <laughs> come and run our mouths, fucking forget. Then someone from real life yes. comes up and is like, oh, yeah, like, haha, that story made me laugh in the, in the fucking podcast. And I'm just sat there like, what the fuck did I say? Yeah. Like... What are we talking about? But, like, thank you for reminding us that we are hilarious on mic. True. (laughs) Um, Liv, what describes your week? Okay, what describes my week is the School of Rock. Yes, and Dan Schneebly. 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 I, honestly, the School of Rock was something that I didn't think I'd properly watched the whole way through but like obviously there's all the references Jack Black is iconic and Ruby was like to us let's fucking watch the School of Rock I think it was Monday 
whenever. And honestly, it was so fucking good. And then as you will know, well, I and now we, Lucy and I, Lucy very much being a main feature of the band, and now doing Battle of the Bands together. <laughs> together. So it's really funny because I was so like, in O, adamant, yeah. not going to be in the band. I was and like, then, Lucy, be in the band. <laughs> love she was like, nur, nur, nur. School of Rock, I saw it on Broadway. I've always been obsessed with School of Rock, rock and the name. Oh, I, I called him Dan Schneebly. <laughs> and I went along with it and I was like, we're thinking of Dan fucking Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 Dan Schneebly, oh that famous, famous man. Oh <laughs> we moved Dan Schneider. And it's dangerous because <laughs> one is quite grey and one is quite not grey. Oh, my God. Oh. Right, I thought this episode, no, I never thought this episode was going to be put together. No, this was going to be chaotic oh my God, from the get-go. Schneebly, from the you. moment you fucking cracked that can open. <laughs> <laughs> on oh, a Friday afternoon. Gosh. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I saw it on Broadway. Anyway, I'm Ned serious. Flanders. Heidi Ho Navarino. Wait, how hot is bulk Ned Flanders though? Oh, you sicko. Yeah, really hot. <laughs> No, I thought it was Danny Phantom. Oh, yeah, nah, Danny Phantom takes the cake. Anyway, anyway. weird, weird, weird. Strange territory. Strange territory. Um, so, love anything else to say about the band? <laughs> so, we had our first band practice yesterday, last night. Vocal cords are still recovering. The music was loud. It was incredibly loud in there. Incredibly loud in a very small room, very amplified, but it was great. How was the energy, Lucy? It was electric. <laughs> Not acoustic. It electric. was electric. And Liv and I are used to doing, like, Liv still gigs to this day and is used to doing very acoustic. Oh, intimate. I'm like, find me at a jazz bar. Yes. Like, I'll have, like, a little bit of, you know pretty guitar in the background yes, but yes. this was a different kettle of fish this was like nothing like I feel like this was very much more your realm this was because um Liv has a wonderful jazzy sort of voice that is just so pleasing to listen to and she has a gorgeous head voice etc et <laughs> I loves to bring up the head voice you know, I, well, I have nothing but just a screaming bout as you can probably tell by hearing me on this mic if but it fucking works a treat honestly it sounded Fantastic last night. Yeah, so we have this one song where Liv and I do step into the limelight a little bit. <laughs> We're on the outskirts and then we sort of shuffle our way over. Yeah, and dare I say we shine. <laughs> dare I say we shine and we shall shine. We it's shall. funny you said that this was your um, what describes your week because I had a few things. Nothing really like that interesting, but yeah. Screamo was my thing because... <laughs> No, because of the Battle of the Bands and yeah. because I've just had to scream all week. Right. I just think, like... What are your other screaming Well, times? I've just... So I met Jacinda Ardern the other morning. <laughs> I screamed in her no, face. No, and I wanted to. Yeah. Sweetie, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But As she was just all would. so kind and she liked Siska and she we talked about trolls and... I'm surprised you didn't cry. Well, 
I know I don't really stand politicians. Right, but yeah, she's yeah, of lovely. Course. Yeah. Um, and then found out I was going to Texas for work. <laughs> with, like, Honestly, I turn up like how weird is a sentence? I turn up to band practice last night, and Lucy tells me I'm going to Texas for work. <laughs> Just in the day. Just in the today. And I thought, God, I've missed a lot. I've had one day off sick. <laughs> and, and honestly, it was raining, and I literally said to Ruby, I think I need to go for a jog or something. <laughs> and like, that's very unlikely. Fuck yeah, get that adrenaline out of your system. Well, I think we got it out in our band practice, Liz. No, I think we that's did. That's why it was screamo, because yeah. I was actually screaming my emotions. What you? <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with the emo. No, no, but I was very emo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that just describes today that Liv and I have been chuckling about is, mm. okay, can you all listeners tell us where this reference is from? Moche. 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 Is it Moche or is it Moche? I think that's the reference from the movie. Is it? Is that teaching each other how to say it before oh they go on? Oh, well, okay. So if you didn't get that, it was, and I really hope that wasn't offensive to anyone, um, but that was from Bridget Jones's diary, number number three, three. with Patrick Dempsey in there. Mm. Um, and Liv and I have been chuckling about that this afternoon because yeah. it's actually is quite hard to say. Well, it's quite hard to say, but also it was quite hard to place. Yes. I knew, like, it was ingrained into my brain yes. and I had sort of, such my tongue knew how to do it. Yeah. But I thought, where is that from? <laughs> where is this from? I've been practicing along to Bridget yeah. Jones. Um, and my third thing that describes my week, not that we usually have any more than one. Well, not Chai doesn't really describe my week. <laughs> it was more just thrown in there for a bit of flavor. Yeah. Um, we're going on a Siska road trip. We are. So that's vibey. We basically got in a brainstorm and were like, how can we reach the people? How can we hang out with you all? Instead of just doing digital advertising or whatever, we thought it might be vibey to all get in a camper van and just drive the length of the country and hit every uni. Yeah, and just for a bit of a laugh. A bit of a laugh. We just want to spread the good shit you should care about joy and word and speak at the start of a few lectures so i'm actually doing one about podcasting if you go to christchurch mm. uni anyway we will have way more info for you this is very early planning days but just um if you go to a uni in new zealand and then you hear that we're coming come and find us um, fuck yeah we would love to see you yeah it's gonna be cute we're gonna plan some cute things i hope Again, Ruby will be all over the logistics. We're going to show all of the amazing places in New Zealand that yes. you can read your morning newsletter. You can watch us. It's going to be wholesome as fuck. It's going to be. It's going to be wholesome and a lot of work. Yeah, but, a lot of work, but but wholesome. Twenty twenty two is the year of the working holiday. So oh, the year of the working holiday. Yeah. True, and it will be on TikTok, and you'll be able to literally see everything we do, and it's going to be fucked and hilarious. And Ruby said in a meeting today, <laughs> which I'd said to her before, but didn't realize she was going to take it into the meeting. We are just going to be spewing out content. <laughs> I was like, after I was so spewing out of my bed last night. No, so true. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess I should do a quick naughty or nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're up to that. Yeah. I think we're up to that. Um, right, Liv. I wonder if you've heard about this. My naughty or nice this week is Barbie Ferreira says she's leaving Euphoria. I'm having to say a very teary eyed goodbye. 
Have you heard that Barbie no. is... No. So, oh, juicy. I, Fill me in. I know. So we don't know very much about it, which is obviously Liv just giving way to as much hearsay as you could give way to, and we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. second. So here's what Barbie said on Instagram. After four years of getting to embody the most special and enigmatic character, Cat, I'm having to say a very teary-eyed goodbye. I hope many of you could see yourself in her like I did and that she brought you joy to see her journey into the character she is today. I put all my care and love into her and I hope you guys could feel it. Love you, Catherine Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, so representatives for both HBO and for Barbie did not respond to comments about why she's leaving, which, you know... Um, has obviously meant that the rumour mill mm-hmm. is just rife with um, Sam Levinson, you know, yes. sort of I mean, there's probably some merit to Sam Levinson who created the show and the way he wrote her character and yeah. that not aligning with what she wanted to portray anymore, if that's why she's leaving. There's also just, you know, chat that she's gotten more roles and better roles. True. And so she just doesn't have... A place for euphoria anymore. She had a small role in Nope. Yes, I did read that. <laughs> nope, yes. Nope, yes, you're not. Yes, you're, you're not. You're <laughs> um, so, but if you do, this is quite a sort of interesting territory because Liv and I did a whole podcast about euphoria and the rumours that surround it because it's such a cult favourite. Mm. People are really obsessed with there being dramas behind the scenes. Fuck, yeah. And also holding it to a much higher standard than any other TV show that we know. Absolutely. And so we, back then when we recorded that episode, couldn't actually find any evidence to support a lot of the rumours that were going around about Sam Levinson. Um, And so just be mindful when you're trying to analyse this news of uh, Barbie leaving that um, it may not... Even, you know, it may be a character thing. She doesn't mm-hmm. like where it's going. That's fair enough. It may be that something happened on set. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So don't just fill the void with, like, hate. Yeah. Because how is that helpful? Yeah. And you can be upset that a character that embodied you and you felt like you saw yourself in has gone from the screen. Absolutely. Kat is a massive loss to that show, to be fair. Yeah. I was actually thinking this. I was like... Who is going to fill that void for them to represent? Mm. They really are inclusive, or they were until Kat left, of a lot of different identities, and they sort of need... There will probably be a bit of backlash should they not write something in to... Yeah, no, it will be very, very interesting. Yeah, Mm. just just be mindful of this whole space, and the assumptions is where it gets a bit dangerous. I mean, would love to know. No, would love to know. Honestly. Obviously. We're we're not above anything. No. I will say this is a nice story if Barbie is going on to do bigger and better things, Mm -hmm. or if she's just outgrown that. And we don't know if it's naughty, but it might be. But again, we don't know, and who are we to assume? Absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
definitely. Just before we get into this segment, we will be touching on things like eating disorders and a lot of control things. There will be some ways of personal harm, drug abuse. So we, do, we don't go too deep on these topics, but there will be mentions of them as we're speaking. So just listen with care or skip through parts that you don't want to listen to. That's fine. Speaking of naughty, Liv, uh, parents that put their children into the industry and then sort of work them like dogs and forget that they're their parents? Yeah, look, not not nice at all. Very, very naughty and quite common when it comes to the world of child stars, which is what I found from doing a bit of research on them because it's a very fucking common theme throughout. So... As I said in the intro, we sort of wanted to talk about this. It was very much sparked by Jeanette McCurdy's book, Um, I'm Glad My Mum Died, which sounds like a very fucking brutal headline, but I think if you watch any interviews that she does or if you read the book itself, I've just read little bits of the book, which I will continue to read. And actually, to be honest, it's really good. It's in like a narrative form. It's way easier reading than I thought it would be. It's like storytelling. Yeah, everyone has said that they adore this book. Right, amazing. Everyone. <laughs> Me, everyone. I have spoken to every single person. No, I just have had it recommended a few times and they said okay, they yeah. No, definitely keen on getting to the end of that. But she, the main theme throughout her book is sort of the fucked up relationship she has with her mum. Her mum was really, really over-controlling when it came to her career and basically everything about Jeanette's life. Um, uh, um, <laughs> she triggered eating disorders within Jeanette and I think may have had her own eating disorders as well and kind of passed that down and was obsessed with keeping Jeanette young because obviously that's how she had the most control over her. She didn't want her to grow up. She would give her like health checks in the shower, yeah, which sounded very, very strange. And Jeanette found these extremely invasive and not very comfortable to be a part of. Yeah. And this whole like dynamic between her mum, the creator who we talked about last week, um, who is Dan Schneider from the Nickelodeon Network. Not Dan Schneebly. <laughs> not Dan Schneebly. Do not get it mixed up with Dan Schneebly because very different person. Dan Schneebly doesn't. <laughs> Dan Schneebly is a fictional character of this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's pretty all pretty fucked up and. After reading all about this, we kind of decided to go into a little bit more of other child stars because, you know, you always hear about people like Drew Barrymore, Lindsay Lohan, Michael Jackson even, Demi Lovato. Like, all of these people have had huge success in childhood and it really fucked them up. And we're sort of like, why is this such a common theme? And then you kind of look into it and the parents are all pretty obsessed with the industry and the success of their children. And then you kind of see, oh, okay, like this is also a common theme within a common, within a common theme sort of thing. So I think we might just start by going through a few notable child stars and kind of what they have to say about the fame that they had as kids and how that affected them. So I think a good one to start off with is Judy Garland to kind of show that this isn't a new concept. So Judy Garland was in The Wizard of Oz. Um, She was also in quite a number of other films, but I think The Wizard of Oz was her most famous. So that was back in 1939. So 
speaking quite a long time ago. And with Judy Garland, it's really fucked up. It's back in the time where they would give kids drugs on set. And this is just wild and shows the state of the industry. I mean, if anyone knows anything about like Marilyn Monroe, like it really screams. Um, I know Marilyn was a bit after this. She was more in the 50s, but it really shows that people were just fucking doing anything Mm -hmm. and they had no boundaries when it came to child acting. It's like we think hustle culture or productivity culture is bad now. Yeah. At least we're not being force-fed drugs to keep us working. Literally so, so fucked up. So by the time she was signed to MGM, that kind of big, Mm. I don't know, production agency, she was already being given uppers, which are basically what they call pet pills, which are amphetamines, um, by her mother. And she would give them to all three of her daughters to keep the girls going on audition trips. And then she would give them sleeping pills, barbiturates, which we talked about in the previous episode of The 27 Club, which we talked about are super, super dangerous. The dosage is really hard to get correct. And if you give someone even half a pill more than they're meant to, like they could go into a coma. Mm. So these people were really playing with fire. And so once she did start working, this carried on. So they would often give child actors pep pills on set to, like, keep the vibe up, which is, like, amphetamines. Yeah. That's wild. Don't give them a cute name. No. literally parents. Yeah. That's, like, speed. Yeah. Um, And also Judy Garland at a really young age was under a whole lot of pressure to lose weight, and she was very much marketed as the ugly duckling. So she just... You know, how the fuck are you meant to grow into a normal human being after all of that shit? So that kind of shows that this has been going on for a really fucking long time. Um, I read a good article about Macaulay Corkin, who apparently from this article, I think it was written in 2019. He's actually, you know, because he's a bit of a meme. He, yeah, he had that huge fame, then he fell off. Totally radar. fell off the radar, and then everyone just pres- um, everyone just assumed that he'd like gone into rehab yeah. and shit like that. But although I think he does use quite a bit of like alcohol, I don't think he's into hard drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, in regards to this article, anyway, that's what they say. But his dad was a failed actor, and then pushed his kids into the industry with a lot of threats, like you know, being like you have to fucking do this. And then once they did get successful, once Macaulay got successful after like Home Alone and movies like that, he started really leveraging off of his success. So this is something we see all the fucking time, like adults having all of the money and all of the control over the money. And then Macaulay said in this article that it started feeling like a chore. I started vocalizing that and not being heard. I was saying, I want to go to school. I haven't done a full year of school since first grade. And his wishes were not. That's actually interesting because, and I don't know if we're actually going to talk about this today, but obviously Mm -hmm. things have changed in this day and age. Like people like Millie Bobby Brown and Noah Schnapp are both, um, like going to university, mm-hmm. Emma Watson, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, I'm going to study instead of continuing this 
job I did when I was a kid. Totally. And then a lot of people have said that their parents made them go to like public schools and that that was often the saving grace for them Mm -hmm. to stay grounded, stay with their peers and then very much treat their job like a job, like something they do outside of their life instead of it being like this whole identity forming thing, which is obviously going to be, but... Yeah, just putting those safety measures in place, which people just were not doing. And then with Macaulay Corkin, his parents divorced. And then the custody fight lasted like two years because they were also fighting over his trust fund, which was like 15 to 20 million. And then he ended up actually legally taking his parents' name off of his trust fund and found someone to look after his finances. And then the kind of divorce settlements ended quite quickly after that because that's all they were fighting over yeah which is really really fucked up side note macaulay's brother karen culkin is Mm. such a fucking good actor he's really good in succession oh really so i wonder if he i think he was in um i think he was a child sort of actor as well but probably always under the limelight of macaulay but yeah he slays in his own right now totally I just also listened to Demi Lovato on Call Her Daddy. I would recommend listening to that podcast. I mean, Demi has come out with a whole lot of media around yeah. her life and then come out with like one documentary called Simply Complicated. Do you remember watching this? And we were obsessed with this yes. in uni. I am a massive fan of Demi. Of Demi. I, like regardless of everything that they've been through, I'm like huge yes. Demi fan. I feel like. I can't change it because I love Camp Rock so much and it's just ingrained in me. Anyway, yes, I remember us becoming very obsessed with the documentary at uni. So they then brought out another documentary which kind of like said that the whole first documentary was a bit of a hoax and that that was run by her team more of a as a publicity stunt and it was saying that you know she was sober and she was happy and all of this shit which she then came out to be false and then in that documentary she kind of seemed like she was being forced to do it again yes it was very very weird and then on call her daddy she seemed much more like in her element like obviously it was much more kind of lo-fi like there wasn't as much production yeah. as there would be in a full-blown documentary. And, yeah, basically her story, again, was child fame, feeling the financial pressures, you know, keeping these families afloat, mm. which is such a fucked-up thing for, like, a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old to have to, like, have on their shoulders. And then just feeling totally replaceable at a click of a button, which yes. I think you know, those Disney stars that were there at the height of Disney's success with Hannah Montana and Camp Rock and all of those. Yeah, it was like the dream um, role for a kid. And so these people were very much, I think she says that she felt that replaceability so hard and so they had to work so, so hard. And And it's it's giving Dan Schneider, like he made mm -hmm. his Nickelodeon, well, allegedly his Nickelodeon stars feel replaceable as a tactic. And I think with Demi, the interesting thing is, like, they were always a bit more edgy than the rest of them and I don't think they got to lean in No, to they loved doing rock music, like she always had the dark hair, just real, a bit different, you could tell. Yeah. Also had like... Real major personality. Major personality mm-hmm. and just, I don't know, always a bit Demi and different. Miley were yeah. always just like a bit edgier and you could kind of tell that they 
would have careers yes. on their own. Like they didn't need Disney. It yeah. was very much the starting platform for them and they definitely had that rebellious streak. And they like which we had loved. to. They had to, eh? So that yeah. now all I mean Disney also produced people like Jake Paul and they didn't have Jake Paul, even though he's rebellious, didn't have to go through the rebellious streak because it was almost a rite of passage. You go to Disney and then you can go be- become whoever the fuck you yeah, want. Fuck Back yeah. then with Miley and Demi and even Selena to a degree, but I think she did it in a bit more of a low-key way. They had to set that mm. tone by going so extreme. Absolutely. They had to like shell off their Disney skin. Yeah. Because how else were you meant to be kind of taken seriously, mm-hmm. I guess? But it's interesting with Demi because... I mean, control is a huge part of this child star conversation. And often it's from the parents Mm. wanting to control their kids. One, because they get financial benefit. Two, because they're trying to live vicariously Mm. through their children. But with Demi, I think it was more her team, like her management. Because she loves her family. Because she's really close with her family. And I think she's had some issues with her birth dad and whatever. But I think she's pretty close with her mum. But it very much seemed like her team had insane amount of control over her, like barricading her in hotel rooms after she had relapsed from bulimia and had told them and been really open. And then they decided to barricade her in her room and have like crazy control over what she ate, which of course exacerbated her eating disorders. And then... Watermelons instead of birthday cake. Yeah, literally. And then she said that she overdosed that last time as a way to be like you guys, I want to show the world that you guys aren't doing a good job. Wow. Kind of thing. It yeah, just all sounded, yeah, It's it sounds wild. And then obviously you just don't feel like you can stand on your own two feet when you've got that level of scrutiny over every single action. Like they would read her res- Starbucks receipts. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they were treated like adults in the mm. workforce. Yes. And then, and then in their real life, like fucking children. they're not allowed to grow up. When she's now what? Like in her late 20s? She's or? 29 because she just released that that's song. That's right. Finally 29. And that's another thing. It's yeah. Like she was dating Wilma when she was 17 and he was 29. And like her new song. 12 years is a big age gap. And 12 years is fine if you're not still a sort of teenager. Yeah. Like. I know. It's. It's super interesting. So when I was researching this topic, again, it's can be kind of shocking to see what media comes up Mm -hmm. because you think in 2022 there'd be like all of these amazing think pieces about child stars and there were some good think pieces but you kind of had to sift through all of the bullshit of like here are 10 stars from childhood that you might remember look where they are now you know like look where their path has taken them and it's just all such clickbaity like oh let's let's revel in their yeah. I also think that's down to SEO a little bit because there's right. these great think pieces and then often they will turn them into, we've done this long expose, but now here are five things we pulled from that that is way easier to read right. and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, and you know yeah, how yeah. the top. Not to say that the media is doing a perfect job, but just to say it's so hard to, like when you click news, it's just all these like people that can either pay the most or do the best SEO. Yes. Like, anyway. yeah, so, yeah, so true. The algorithm and the money yes. gets involved there. Absolutely. I think because for some subjects that we do on Culture Vulture, I go on like the think pieces are fucking yes. amazing. They're everywhere, like incredible. But there are certain topics and I think it's when you kind of feel like, you know, a lot of media 
runs the same stories over and over, right? So it's like when we're running a story that maybe hasn't been done as much. Mm. Or we've come to it a bit late and the good think pieces have been buried. True, yeah. I remember with Euphoria, there was all these gorgeous, like, slight pieces that would come up first. Mm. It was getting real into the nitty-gritty of how the internet works. But, yeah, I remember... When Britney, when Britney's um, sort of free Britney movement yes. was coming to an end, there were some brilliant, brilliant pieces, and I can imagine if we went back to look for them now, it would be like totally. Here's ten things about Britney's conservatorship that you didn't know. Yeah, and it's probably the like also the keywords that I'm using in yeah. terms of like child star. Like anyway, probably. someone teach us how to yeah. use Google to research better. <laughs> Literally. Right? Um, anyway, but one of the really great think pieces was from Mara Wilson. She played Matilda. Right. She was Matilda in Matilda. Mm-hmm. And um, she was also in, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> she was also in Mrs. Doubtfire and a few other of those kind of very family movies. And she was pretty young, I think, when she stopped acting. And this is a little piece from her writing. I thought it was a nice window into kind of what she was asked and the way she was treated by the media when she was so young in such a family role. Mm. Um, So she said, I had already been sexualized and I hated it. I mostly acted in family movies, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, Matilda, Mrs. Doubtfire. I never appeared in anything more revealing than a knee-length sundress. This was all intentional. My parents thought I would be safer that way. But it didn't work. People had been asking me, do you have a boyfriend, in interviews since I was six. Reporters asked me who I thought was the sexiest actor and about Hugh Grant's arrest for soliciting a prostitute. It was cute when 10-year-olds send me letters to say that they were in love with me. It was not when 50-year-old men did it. Before I even turned 12, there were images of me on foot fetish websites and photoshopped into child pornography. Every time I felt ashamed. And then she goes on to say that Hollywood has resolved to tackle harassment in the industry, but I was never sexually harassed on a film set. My sexual harassment always came at the hands of the media and the public, which is a really interesting concept to go into. That's like, yeah the media should not have been asking who your boyfriend was, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, like, don't ask a woman in an interview if she's planning on getting pregnant, things Mm. like that. We've changed. But that's almost on the fucking individual, right? If you're a 50-year-old man out there. I mean, I can't even have a soul for that. No, no, I know. You can't even unpack that. It's more just like the fact that people in our society are looking at films like that and that's, it's, oh. Or the fact that she was allowed to read those letters or know about them. Yes, or that there's not some sort of protection around like, look, this is going to happen. Like, you're a child star, you're on TV, a lot of people from the public, there's some fucked up people out there. This is what we're going to do to protect you from Mm. this like there needs to be that she can't be going on the internet when she's fucking 10 and seeing that she's on fetish websites well that's the thing is like and that would have been early days pre like social media very early internet and like now because I was thinking oh well you know now their teams would surely set up protections blah 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 no now they all have their own social media accounts and they can see the reddit forums that are yeah. dedicated to like all the 4chan forums or whatever like, and they're way savvier online mm-hmm. than their parents but in a way that's not good in a way that they, they can access it they all. can access everything and the parents don't know how to stop it so true oh honestly and then actually speaking of the school of rock um from the beginning so Rivka Reyes who played Katie who was Mm -hmm. the bass player she said she had some really toxic kind of stage 
parents who told her she was always destined to be a star. They like spoiled her. They kind of told her that she was the most amazing person in the world. And then her mum became her coach and critic and they would go to auditions and her mum would, you know, praise her or like give her a better lunch if she had done a good job in the acting audition like all of that sort of like like, people and conditioning yeah 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 like all of that kind of fucked up shit then she said that she got bullied really really badly at school for being on the school of rock that and that is again a common common thing thing. of um young child stars whereas i feel like in today's era yeah if you were a star or a i mean maybe not like it would almost give you street cred at school. Yeah. But if you were some type, if you were like an influencer and you were showing yourself on TikTok, like doing your passion, then people would shit on you for doing something Totally. That and this girl said that she was a real shy, kind of geeky music kid. Mm-hmm. So I guess it totally depends what kind of kid you are. True, because the drama kids at school, I like look back and wish that I was one of them. But yeah. then I'm like, but back but at school. But at the time, it wasn't cool. Yeah. And then people would get picked on. Yeah. Whereas like, if if you were in the kind of social crowd, like too cool to actually yeah. try, then you didn't get picked on because that was why you wanted to be in the social crowd, so you wouldn't yeah. get picked on. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. Demi Lovato actually goes yes. into her first childhood um, kind of bullying experience, and it was when I think she opened for JoJo. Wow. And came back and then she got a picture with JoJo and the other girl that was singing didn't, and then like the whole school just started like bullying the f- shit out of her basically God. so it's it's brutal out there um to quote Olivia, Olivia. <laughs> and then Riv Reyes from the school of rock she said from the age of 14 she used drugs alcohol sex food and self-harm to numb all of the pain she said I've survived dozens of toxic relationships and three suicide attempts I'm not saying all of this because I played bass in a movie when I was a kid, but because I spent over a decade terrified that I'd peaked at 10 years old. Oh, and that's actually another thing we've even touched on is that chokehold of potential when you do something great at a young age. Yeah. Like, oh, feeling that's like a whole nother conversation. I know. Because that's not even with child stars, but that would be yeah. like fucking on steroids for yeah. child stars, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that is a whole nother conversation. Kind of similar to Rivka, but at, like, just a more famous level, a more famous story maybe is Drew Barrymore, who actually has a fascinating story and is just seems, like, she just seems to be the most gorgeous person despite what she went through. So Mm -hmm. Drew Barrymore comes from a long family of actors and actresses. So it's sort of like, you know, in the blood. It was expected of her. She also had... um, quite an abusive sort of household growing Mm. up. Her father was an alcoholic. Um, Her mother was just neglectful. Wouldn't they just, like, bring her along to any set and just let her drink alcohol and roam free? Literally. So her parents divorced when she was nine, and then she started – she went and moved in with her mum. Her mum would always go to this club called Studio 54, which was, like, a nightclub in New York City when she was – like, I think from, like, the age of nine, and she was smoking and drinking. By the time she turned 10, she was smoking weed. By 12, she had moved on to cocaine. By the age of 12, she'd actually already been in rehab. But then she was also supporting Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign, so she was, like, used as a prop. Oh. She, like, you're right, she was taken along to this nightclub, and she was known as this 
cute little yeah Drew Barrymore's like she's here she's at it again she's hanging out with all these old men yeah like crack up that kid over there she's always here like we love having her around yes it's really really scary if you look into it she at 13 um, was put into an institution for 18 months wow by her mum she was treated for alcohol and drug addiction by 13. 13. What does that do to a human's brain? I know. And so, um, and she'd already been in rehab once before, and this was when she had relapsed. And then when she left this um, institution, it was actually the institution that told her to do this. She emancipated herself. So by 14, Drew Barrymore was no longer living with her mother or her father. Mm-hmm. Her father, I think, ended up drinking himself to death. Oh, shit. Um, and she moved into this really scary house where she just lived with no no help. She'd basically been so she'd been in a few movies. She'd been in like an ad since she was a she was a baby doing all this work, and then she'd been in some movies. And then I think she was like blacklisted from Hollywood for years. So she was cleaning toilets. So she'd made all this money. Then she'd gotten addicted to drugs and alcohol. She'd gone to rehab. She emancipated her parents. Then she couldn't get work. No what one would a have her. Fucking life. Despite her being the centre of all their attention yeah. in that club and like she was the it girl when she was like twelve. Like that's just fucking disgusting on the adults' behalves. Yeah, I know. So this is just a little bit I mean, there's so much you could read into about Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. and she has talked gorgeously about healing. She now has two children. She's a single mother. She was also married twice by I think the time she was twenty. Um, she's a single mother. She raises her daughters gorgeously. She has reconnected with her own mother because she knows, like, it's lighter to do that. Mm. And she really wants her mum to have peace. She's sick of carrying it around. Mm-hmm. She's just done an amazing. She's just an amazing. And like, she's mother. like so sweet. Yes. Like, she's yes. just such a sweet lady. She's just. I honestly, I love her. So this is just to finish off the Drew Barrymore section um, from an article in The Guardian from 2015. She'd just written a book um, and then she was doing an interview to sort of promote it, but this is how it started. Imagine you were a Hollywood producer pitched the following idea. A baby girl born into an acting dynasty is put to work in a dog food commercial at the age of 11 months. At 7, she's a film star pouring Baileys over her ice cream. At 11, she develops a drinking problem. At 12, she's a drug addict. And at 13, she cuts her wrists and is hospitalized. And at 14, she's legally divorced from her parents. Of course, you wouldn't make the movie. Too far-fetched. There's only so much disbelief that one can willingly suspend. But you've not heard the half of Drew Drew Barrymore's story. Unemployable as an actor at 15, cleaning toilets at 16, she was twice married and twice divorced by her mid-20s. And then it goes on to talk about her book and she's healed. And you should really – it makes me want to support her even more because she's just – Having that fucked up start in life. Like by 14. By 14. And then emancipating yourself from your parents. And rightly so because Liv – like I don't know anything about the legalities of having a child – Having a child in the industry, mm. like, it seems like a fucked up thing to be talking oh, about that. such but. a fucked up thing. And actually, I did Good. do some research on this. A lot of it did kind of go over my head. There's a lot of, like... We're not lawyers. No, exactly. And a lot of the stuff on the internet was, like, wanting to employ a child actor, like, this is what you've got to know sort of thing, like, kind oh. of handbooks. And I was like, kind oh, of that's not really what I want. 
Um, a handbook. <laughs> so there's this thing called the Shirley Temple Act, which stops the federal government from limiting the amount of time or stopping the amount of time that a child can perform within the entertainment industry, which includes acting on television and film, live performances of musicals or theatre shows. So there's an act that says you can make your kid or your kid can work for as long as Yeah, basically. So it's kind of like this isn't child labour. Oh my god, they've had to actually put something in place to say that... Yeah, and I think this was put in place like a very long time ago. So basically in the US, the states that want to protect their kids have to put those laws in place themselves. So 32 states have done so, have put in place some sort of law, whether that be like work permits, which actually only half the states require if you're under the age of 14 or 16, which is wild because everyone should, you know, get some sort of consent from some sort of legal guardian or whether it's how many hours they can work, et cetera, et cetera. So as I said before, 32 states have done this, whereas 18 states just basically don't really have any restrictions. And as an example of a state that does have laws, so California um, made revisions to their laws in 2000 And now it's necessary for a minimum of 15% of a child actor's earnings to be placed in a trust fund, no longer at the discretion of the judge. And this 15% must come from like their entire income rather than their taxed income, which means that it protects them from being taken advantage of by management um, or kind of like secretarial fees or whatever, like these random taxes that they can add on to diminish the 15% that the child could take themselves. So mm. it means out of all of their gross earnings, yeah. they can they have to um, put 15% into this trust fund. Do you reckon that's enough? Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, that to, like I these are random figures to me. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, 15% for you working, like, as well as trying to get an education and mm. potentially – you know, most of that going to your family yeah. and you're not being old enough to make that decision. This is the thing. It's bananas. But then also the income earned by the child actor is now legal is now legally recognised as the child actor's property. It's no longer the property of their parent or mm-hmm. guardian, which I'm sure there's some loopholes and shit. Oh, it would because- definitely be like... Hey, sweetie, um, I'm going to take you to this, but you need to sign this. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, I'm the one looking after their best interests or whatever it is. It's to a degree. Like, if you're a parent and your kid really wants to act and you are, you know, sacrificing maybe your life and your job to make it happen, 100%. Totally. Or like your seven-year-old has got like 15 mil in the bank. Of course, you're not just going to be like... yeah. Hey, Fuck that's yeah, all yours. Like, go buy some Lego. Yeah, go buy a fucking real life train set. Like, no. Go buy a train then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real, life real life fucking train. train set. What could that possibly be? Yeah. yeah, true. That's interesting, love. That's actually so fascinating. Yeah, so really interesting. There's a there's a whole lot of laws surrounding this that kind of went over my head, but I will go into it a little bit deeper for the newsletter. Yes. If anyone wants to come and subscribe to that, because you often just get a more eloquent version of this conversation with a bit more structure and a bit more kind of grit to yes. it, I guess. Um 
So, yeah, that's basically us for the child stars. There's so, so, so much more to unpack. But it's pretty fucked up, like, the relationship between the industry, between the parents, between the government government and the finances. It just is a fucking concoction for absolute disaster. It is a concoction for disaster. It'd be interesting to do this podcast again in 10 years' time with today's child stars who are more like YouTubers, vloggers, and TikTokers. And then that's a whole conversation. Like in my research, I was reading a lot of a lot of pieces, like, you know, kids that are used as props and influencers oh, yes. kind of marketing and all of that. You know, just like hold up this t shirt for mummy yeah. or whatever. Like Or even just accounts that are famous because you've got really cute kids. Yeah. You it's know? like child labor, yeah. basically. But where are the laws for yeah. that? I mean, there might be. They're probably coming. I don't know. Oh, nice. I mean, we'll check in when we're still doing this. freaky, freaky place. Podcast in 10 years. It is freaky. Live maybe less freaky unless, I don't know, you've got a horror movie on this list. But what is on your radar? No, actually, much less, uh, much, much, much less freaky. What is on my radar is literally self-care. Yes. Like, I have just been sick on and off for the last month. I feel like I'm just not getting enough sleep. I'm really excited for this weekend. I've got fuck all planned. I'm not going to drink any alcohol. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to do some painting. Love. It's going to be great. We're going to be all ready for our band. Yeah, absolutely. Lucy, what is on yours? Um, This is kind of self-care, but I've been really obsessed with the OC. Okay, I've never seen it. Oh, my fucking God. It's like... So good. Jane, our producer, is going wild she for the is OC. It. Um, honestly, it's just really good. The characters are so fucking cute. Like, it's aged in a really funny way, yeah. the shit they say. It's like, you couldn't say it in this day and age, a lot of it. But it's so, it's like a time capsule. Oh it's so fun. It's like. When's it set? Mid 2000s. Um, they're very cool. It's set in Orange County, obviously. It's like, uh, I don't know what I can. So it's not a reality show. It's like a fictionalized show, but it walks so that things like Gossip Girl. It walks so that Gossip Girl could run. It's just right. really good. That's like a time capsule. And um, the character Seth Cohen is like the cutest person. I'm only on season one, but I adore him. Um, and it's so good, and you should watch. Do you it. think I'd like it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I cool. do. Is it like a weekend self care? Oh my god, yeah. Just consume, consume, yeah. consume. And I'm okay. only on season one, and there's heaps of seasons, so I'm real excited for it. Great. Anyway, team, um, Liv and I are gonna go and get into bed. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Not together. Together. But... Oh, oh, see ya. Anyway, team, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for bearing with us. Please subscribe to the Culture Vulture newsletter, which is. Which you can get if you become a monthly or an annual supporter. Thank you to Jane Yee for producing this on a Friday, Arvo, and helping answer all our questions. Oh, God's work. Still God's work. Thank you, Liv, for joining me. Oh, thank you, Lucy. As always, bandmate now. Bandmate and teammate. You have to say that. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.